Hello, I'm Joshua Graceberg. And I'm Jacob Friedman. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful, definitely non-Twitter commentary and a side helping of comedy. Today we have five stories. Uh, first, we have new Russia hacking. We also have uh, the Electoral College cementing Joe Biden's win, uh, a new GOP exodus, Attorney General Bill Barr's resignation, and new Joe Biden picks. So let's start off with the new Russian hacking. Uh, Jacob, take it away. I'm not going to believe this. So there's a software that a lot of the federal government uses called SolarWinds. It's based in Texas. And Russia, one of their intelligence services, the SVR, I believe, they were somehow able to get into the system for months undetected and get a hold of emails and the net and the actual Wi-Fi networks and God knows what else. And this has been going on for months. And the only reason it's coming out now is because some random private cybersecurity firm, FireEye, noticed what was happening because they use the same software as the NSA and the FBI do. They, and they contacted the intelligence agencies. This is not only embarrassing, it's pathetic. We don't know that the White House or Congress was, was compromised, but we know that thousands, thousands of companies and, and governments across the world are at least in danger of this hack. Well, the truth is that this is nothing new, right? Russia has continuously hacked U.S. agencies, U.S. companies, meddled in our elections, and obviously, as technology has rapidly advanced in the last 20 years, you know, the possibilities for privacy violations have dramatically increased. And the truth is, Jacob, Russia just, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Russia currently simply cannot be trusted. This idea that many have of us becoming allies in the distant future and combining our military strengths to fight bigger issues in the Middle East like Iran, the truth is it's impossible. It's far from becoming a reality because here's what, you know, Everybody would want, you know, Russian-American relations to get better, right? I mean, there's a lot of tension between the two countries. The reality is that with Russian behavior and with all this hacking and the meddling and, you know, what they've been doing in Syria, it's just become impossible for us to really bridge a connection. I think back in the Helsinki in 2018, Trump did say that he well, he talked with Putin about creating like a cyber force, cybersecurity joint operation unit between U.S. and Russia which was mocked by pretty much everyone. Like, like you said, they're not our allies. They're nowhere, they're our, they're our adversaries. But this isn't really about Trump. This isn't really about Russia. This is about the fact that we're unprepared. The administration was ignoring cyber officials coming back to last year, long, long before Chris Krebs was fired after the election. Here's what I would want Biden to do. Stop with the mass surveillance. Stop with breaking encryption, stop coercing social media and tech companies to go along with this. That's not really what's going on here. That's not really the threat. The threat is not the, well, amount, of, think, the new amount of data. The I, think threat, all those things that you, I think all those things that you just mentioned, Jacob, are important. Uh, you know, I think a lot of them are beyond Joe Biden's control. He right, may, but he gets know, the policy. The he sets currently. people in those, in the NSA, in the DOJ that can revert, that can break with Bill Barr and and going back to Obama administration, the Bush administration, Hayden and um, Clapper. And the, the fact is, it's not really that Google and Facebook are not terrible. They are terrible. 
the problem about cybersecurity is not really about them. It's not about the data on some random person's phone that has like a distant family connection to a terrorist in, say, Iraq. It's about who's on Yandex in Russia or in the future, Baidu or WeChat in China. It's about, it's about acknowledging our weakness in cyber and upgrading our broadband, upgrading our actual security, putting money not into prod defense projects that don't go anywhere like the F-35 fighter jet. You're actually spending money into cyber defense, cyber offense, not, not just well, one-offs like the like Sputniks in Iran, but actually continually using it to our advantage. Well, to be fair, I would, I would argue that the F-35 program, although poorly done and gone drastically over, over budget and, you know, that really contributes to why we need, you know, more control and government spending and the military more wisely spending money. And, you know, that goes to that. But we'll not get into that. The, the, the truth is that while we need to improve our, our cyber defenses by a lot, as you said, because Russia's taking complete advantage of us right now, I believe the F-35 program was necessary because to really replace a lot of their old fighter aircraft and the F-35 fit that role. But the question is, what, what are you proposing that we're going to take, we're going to find the tax dollars for improving our cybersecurity system through taking the focus off conventional warfare? What I'm saying is that we spend, we spend a lot of money in this country on a lot of ground operations and defense contractors and to buy up all this physical hardware and all these projects that are going to come out in 10 years, but they don't ever get there. If you actually look at the audit, if, this is why I call I call, for anything we do regarding the budget, we audit we audit the crap out of the DoD and all the other agencies. There is so much wasteful spending that's that is, that that is eats up the budget because that's why it grows every year. That's one. That's a large part of why it grows. It's the wasteful projects that set back deadlines, that set back logistics, and and I do I do believe if we if we prioritize cyber, we need to at least. Come to we need to at least understand what exactly we need to do on the ground on actual bases and drone capabilities and everything else. We need to find that balance again, or if if even was there at all, we need to, have to strike a balance between the new frontier and the old battlefields that we are still in in say Afghanistan twenty years later. Three hundred six to two thirty-two. That is what the electoral college vote for the twenty twenty election. Joe Biden is again officially the winner according to the Constitution, and he has been the winner since that Saturday after the election when the media called it because that is the tradition. McConnell finally said that Biden is the winner, but unfortunately, folks, Ron Johnson turned a. Homeland Security Senate hearing into a series of attacks on Democrats and not on the Proud Boys or Russia or anything else, but on illegal voting, fraudulent voting. And Rand Paul joined in too because, well, that's just Rand Paul for you. Jacob, shortly after uh, the Electoral College cemented Biden's win, Vladimir Putin officially congratulated the president-elect on his victory. And it's very strange to believe this, but really Vladimir Putin was really the the domino that caused the chain reaction, I suppose, because even Vladimir Putin knew that the gig was up for Trump. And now I think there'll be a far more steadier decline in the legal battles, although we may see, I don't know, I doubt that there'll be a resurgence in legal cases from Trump after this. There's just no way. You know, with Mitch McConnell, finally, you know, it's just weird to hear the words President-elect come out of Mitch McConnell's mouth, but here we are. 
And, you know, I really think that's nail in the coffin for Trump's, you know, ridiculous attempts to overturn this election. And although, as you said, Jacob Ron Johnson uh, turned the Senate hearing into a series of attacks, Mitch McConnell's acknowledgement of the president-elect and vice president-elect is a step in the right direction, although way, way overdue. I mean, I think the Trump Kraken Giuliani team is what, like one for 54, 55 or whatever it is. The point, yeah, you're right. I mean, what, they're probably gonna ban. They're probably gonna ban their legal legal effort, and then and they're now gonna transition to full on pumping up the Proud Boys and basically trying to delegitimize the election further in the eyes of uh, seventy million that voted for Trump. I mean, well, I think they're gonna start calling. I think they're gonna start preparing for twenty twenty four. There's a real possibility Trump will run again. You know, I really think so. So they may be preparing for that instead. I mean, the grift has to keep going somehow. Our next story is that high-profile Republicans have uh, made registration changes. Uh, There's been a new GOP exodus. Paul Mitchell, a Michigan congressman, he retiring after the next term. He is switching his his registration to independent, same as uh, Jennifer Horn of the Lincoln Project. She's a former GOP state chair for New Hampshire. And another GOP, um, longtime GOP strategist, Steve Schmidt, infamous, famous for his uh, John McCain campaign 2008 and infamous for picking Sarah Palin. He was on a Lincoln Project. He's been on MSNBC. He announced that he was switching over to the Democrats, not even to Independent, but Democrats, because he, because, as he, because he said that they are the only pro-democracy party, and that's where he wants to be. But in any case, these people have left, and- I mean, they all said that the election, that this election shenanigans, even though it's dying down, maybe it's now they it was it's the last straw for them. They and all of them in their in their letters and their appearances, media appearances, they've been speaking out against polarization, speaking out against Trumpism, or at least the effect Donald Trump has had on the Republican Party. I mean, I'm not going to expect all. I'm not going to expect any Republicans to jump to Democrats, and I don't think. I don't. I don't think that'd be a good idea. Democrats are not even a party; they're just a just a loosely held coalition of interest. But Mitt Romney, please follow this. Please follow their example and, and become independent. You, given what, what you are in for in uh, Utah, you'll be you'll probably you'll probably be fine in twenty twenty four. But in any case, I'm expecting someone like Adam Kinsing, Kinsinger probably to if he finds that. There's nothing left. He'll probably he could probably go independent too. But good on them for speaking. Yeah, good well, on these people for speaking out and taking a stand, even though it may not be electorally the best option for their careers. The GOP, you know, bad stay. We've said it again and again, like a broken record. So I, I myself want to actually move in a different direction. Um, by looking at two elections, the election of 1936. Uh, incumbent Franklin Del- uh, Delano Roosevelt obliterates Republican challenger Alf Landon, 523 to 8 electoral votes. And it's worth noting that at this time, people were really doubting the Republicans' party relevance. People were worried that the Republican Party would just dissolve. Now, flash forward 50 years, incumbent Republican Ronald Reagan vaporized Democratic challenger, former Vice President Walter Mondale. You know, he only won uh, D.C. and Minnesota, and even then by less than a margin by 2,000 votes. And my point is that, you know, American parties, both Democrats and Republicans, have their ups and downs. There are times when 
they'll look like they're dying out. They look like they'll become irrelevant. But then, you know, party dynamics change and they become very popular. American culture changes. So while the Republican Party may be a complete disaster right now, and as you said, Jacob, many key Republicans are even becoming Democrats, I am optimistic that one day, you know, whether it be five, 10, maybe more years, the Republican Party will become, you know, a pure form of itself, cleanse itself of Trumpism and really become more relevant to the American people. Well, I argue back that in no time, in almost no time in American history have one of the major parties gone against the transition of power, resisted an incoming administration, uh, went against the media, went against the tenets of the democratic process as so blatantly and so unashamed as they are. And is an, well, it, this was uh, well. You got to remember that this was Donald Trump's Republican Party. The Republican Party in the future, well, I I hope will cleanse itself of Trumpism. They'll look back at that. They'll see it as a shameful chapter in its life, and they'll have new leaders. You know, maybe Charlie Baker, and maybe Mitt Romney comes back to the scene. Although we're not sure when that even may be. But you know, I'm optimistic that the Trump chapter of the Republican Party will come to a close. At least when? sometime in the future. The only, the only time, the only. I don't when, know, Jacob. I honestly don't know, but I know that it'll happen because he was a bad president, and it takes history. And you know, looking back on the history books, people are going to know that he was a bad president. Every single Republican who who allowed this to happen, in some way, is supporting him in 2016 and kept their mouths shut shut in 2020, or fiercely resisted impeachment, resisted whatever you know, obstructed Democrats in the House, their investigations, whatever. They, they don't deserve the titles they're given. They don't deserve to be such hypocrites. Marco Rubio doesn't deserve to be, doesn't deserve the title of senator. And when, when, he's, when, he's, done not, when he's done nothing but bow to, bow to Trump when he comes down to Florida to help him with his, with Florida Republicans, it doesn't quote all the Bible verses you want, Marco. It's not going to work. It's not going to make you pure in the eyes of political apparatus. It's going to you've taint you've taint yourself, and and most of the Republicans right now in Congress and on state even the state level, it's tainted. Far yeah, none of these people besides Mitt Romney deserve the title conservative. They don't. They don't. I know it's hard to it's hard to imagine a Republican Party post Trump, you know, without you know without actively you know loving and embracing Trumpism. But I'm optimistic that that will happen. One way or another. I know it's hard to see that now, but trust me, I, I believe that these politicians will eventually become irrelevant and there'll be a new rise of young Republican leaders who will adhere to conservative values. I hope you're right. I'm just not saying it now, but I, I, I do hope you're right. Next, we have Bill Barr finally resigning after doing everything Trump wanted, except back him up on the, on the, vote, on the voter fraud allegations and the lawsuits. And this was such a low bar, just <laughs> no pun intended. It not bending to a to electoral malfeasance. This doesn't really deserve any goodwill. When he misrepresented the Mueller report, he got Flynn and Stone out, and he acted as Trump's personal attorney. And it, he was supposed to be a real conservative voice to to strain out the Trump Trump administration's legal matters and constitutional adherence, but. He has done nothing. He has done none of that. And when he when he finally even tried to do that, Trump fired it. Trump basically asked for basically yelled at him and they somehow got his resignation. This is once again evidence, of course, that the Trump administration is coming apart the seams. 
And for the last four, you know, well, as long as Bill Barr has been attorney general, uh, Bill Barr has supported Trump for every step of the way. Uh, more recently, you know, for all the protests and, you know, their extremely aggressive uh, take on protesters, like when protesters were forcibly cleared so that Trump could hold the Bible upside down in front of a church. But um, I agree, this doesn't really deserve any goodwill. I mean, Bill Barr has had a very poor reputation. I believe he's done a very poor job as attorney general. And the whole thing is coming to a close anyway. Although congratulations to his deputy who will proudly hold the office of attorney general for exactly one month. And finally, more Biden picks. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is uh, nominated for transportation secretary. Jennifer Granholm uh, nominated for energy secretary. And Deb Holland, nominated for Secretary of the Interior. Joshua, what, what, what are you thinking? Okay, first of all, be Buddha judge. He would have been a far better pick for ambassador to the United Nations, in my opinion. I mean, if you look at him, he speaks a lot of languages. He is an excellent communicator, but, you know, at least he has a position in Biden's cabinet and will gain more experience. Because honestly, Jacob, and I think you and I can agree on this, I can see Pete having a good shot at the presidency once he gains more experience and gets a little, and you know, consequently gets more wiser. I think he will be great for the country if he ever became president. So I, I'm keeping my eye on him. I think he has a lot of potential. For Deb Holland, once again, classic Biden nominee, right? No red flags, no controversy, but adds unique diversity to the White House, being the first Native American in that role. It's, it's just almost unbelievable to have non-controversial figures like that after four years of people like Steve Bannon, Jeff Sessions, Mike Pompeo, Rex Tillerson, and, and, and so many others. So it's a relief. All of it is really a relief for me. Some of you probably know of my enthusiasm for him during the primaries. I very much support him. One of my profile picture, picture I, I talked with him uh, at a fundraiser. And I know that this is an unconventional pick, him for transportation. I know this is some people, some people on the left don't like it because he isn't progressive enough. And uh, people on the people more on the right or... Uh, or more um, establishing people, they're more they're more saying that it's purely political. It's purely not. It's, it P is not someone who's experienced enough. He doesn't really have the qualifications for transportation. And I'm not gonna unfollow the likes of Tom Nichols or Jason Johnson because I did simply because I don't think P is right for the job. As much as some you know Pete for America fans are, it's it and, you know trashing trashing those people for simply saying that P isn't right. I mean, it's not a cult. Pete's following is not a cult. I can attest to that. So. There's always going to be um, crazy fanboys, but in any case, I honestly think that Pete's record uh, for what he did for South Bend, I know it's a small city, but the way he focused on smart streets and transitioning uh, South Bend, the, uh, their industry, and I think there's an opportunity there for having a mayor, for having someone who near a lot of what was everyday transportation in a, in a, in a very in a smaller city. I think, I think that gets good experience, but then again, I can see why I can perfectly see the arguments why he shouldn't be, but he's going to be up for the Senate and we'll see what happens. Uh, Granholm, uh, former Michigan governor. I don't really have a problem with this. She, she's part on along with the auto industry, you know, Michigan and all Detroit. I don't see much. Of a well, the auto industry in Michigan is a shadow of its former. Senate, right. But. Right. And Biden really made an effort to that 2009 and 10 to really bail him out. But I can, I can see this. I can, I could definitely see her working there. I could see her really doing well with energy, um, given Biden's climate plans and really the less depends on oil 
and, and Gas and Enicus, um, yeah, and then Depp Holland for uh, Interior, first Native American, one of the first Native American women in Congress, would be the first Native American cabinet secretary. It's good progress. She was part of the leadership on the natural resources and committee in the House and one of the subcommittees. Again, nope, don't see any, don't see any problems. And I agree. I agree with Joshua. Largely non-controversial, at least at least there's an argument for most of these people being put where they are. And I assume we're going to hear about the attorney general and that's going to be fun. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero Sock Politics. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and send us any and all questions regarding the news or politics because your questions make the show. Thanks for joining us and we hope to see you next time.